Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dragon's Cast. We're going to talk men's and women's Drexel basketball. I've got Bill and Anthony with me again this week. We're going to lead off talking about the women. A couple reasons for that. Uh, one, um, we haven't had a chance to get together and chat for a little bit. Um, uh, and we have not talked about the women going back to the Penn State game. So we've got a, a bunch of games to get caught up on there. Uh, whereas the men had a, a generous COVID break, which we'll talk about as well. Uh, but just because we have so much to cover and, and there's a lot to talk about, starting with the number one score of the nation, and I checked even after today's very disappointing 19-point effort, um, Keishana is still uh, number one in the country. Um, she's made it a little bit closer. That's got to be a fascinating phone call between Denise Dillon and Amy Mallon. You know they talk, having the one and two scores in the country. Um, that's just that's just that's an amazing thing that coaching tree's got right now. Um, but let's talk about... Um, Go back to that Penn State game. We've got Penn State to talk about, Delaware State, um, Wilmington, and then today's game against Towson. We're taping Sunday night on New Year's Day. Uh, 4-0, so that's a pretty good run. Um, we've got some good injury updates. I didn't have a chance to see any of these. I'm embarrassed to say it, so I'll yield a lot of our time to you guys. But, Anthony, I know you were at the Penn State game, and obviously um, a great game to – to have the feather in the cap for this program right now. We talked talk about what that was like. It was very exciting. Um, the beginning of the game, it looked like we might have a little bit of trouble. Uh, Penn State seemed to be kind of making us uncomfortable, pressing a little bit. Um, so I was I was worried that it might be a struggle in the first five minutes or so. We turned it around um, and actually led by six after the first quarter and, and really kind of led by a bunch at half. Um, Kishana was magnificent. She's incredible. Um, she set a Drexel regular season scoring record with 42 points in regulation. Um, well, the all-time record is by Gabrielle Marjunian from some ridiculous five or six overtime game uh, 15 years ago. But um, so she she came short of that. But for 40 minute regulation, 40 minutes of regulation. She put up 42 and finished the game with 42. She did not score in overtime. Uh, and and the hero of the overtime was Hedda Sapp, who went on a personal 7 0 run um, to kind of ice the game for us. Um, it was it was a pretty thrilling, I mean, overtime against a Big Ten opponent. Um, you know, to pull it out was, was big. And you could tell uh, at the final buzzer, very meaningful for the team as well. Uh, it, it certainly seemed. Uh, they uh, kind of got in a pile midcourt at the buzzer, so it, it was pretty clear that this was one that they definitely wanted a lot. Penn State, I'm not sure if it's their best player, but certainly on this day, um, Played all 45 minutes, 10 of 16th in the field, 7 of 10 for 3 for 28 points. So she and Kashana were kind of going back and forth for a while, uh, but she was able to um, she was able to kind of keep Penn State in it in the first half. Um, they did a little bit of a better job um, to get back, to send it to overtime in the second half. But um, yeah, just, just a great win. I'm trying to search the recesses of my mind a little bit since at this point it was a couple weeks ago, but it was, it was a, it was a 
one of the better wins that they've had in a while against one of the better opponents they'll probably play this year. Great win. Great win. Without Kylie, too. So, even more impressive. I think on the women's side, too, anytime, anytime on either side you can get a win against a you know, big time opponent, it's great. But I feel like it's even more so along the women's side. So, that's a, that's a big time win. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it seems like it's easier to schedule the games because I don't think the men would ever get Penn State to come here. Um, you know, I, I do think uh, geography and cost of trips matter probably more on the women's side. Uh, so it's, it's easier to schedule a, a local rival. I don't know that Penn State's going to be finding their way to the deck again for the next decade, probably after this. They, they, they may lose our phone number for a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's really cool to be able to get those games, to be able to host those games. It's, I mean, can we all talk about business aside like it's how college basketball should be like you know you should play at our house we should play at your house let's see who's let's see who's better and uh and it was great to get the opportunity to play a team like that and i, I lied a little bit i actually caught overtime in that game and yeah um you know kishana wasn't able to be on the floor much of that but uh yeah you, you had penn state's best uh which is mckenna when she went 45 minutes off 45 Kishana goes 42 it's a battle of the all-stars man they, they knock down drag out and um not much better than Kishana Washington anywhere and, and proven once again. So really cool win program program, big deal win for sure. And uh, kind of started us off, you know, I feel like the women's team have been, we, I think we talked because we recorded right before that game. I remember Anthony and I had talked about, um, should we be concerned at all about the women's program? And they went out there and beat Penn state without Kylie Lavelle, uh, who's, who's probably their second. You, before we talk about today's game, probably their second best weapon. Um, and they kind of just kind of got to figure it out. I felt like maybe it took them some time to adjust to life without Kylie, which is funny talking about a freshman like that. But they figured it out in time for the Penn State game, and that walked us right into that Delaware State game. And uh, if you were worried about a letdown spot coming off of that big Penn State game, it was nice to be playing Delaware State. Um, you didn't have to worry too much. Anthony, I know you were there for that one as well. Yeah, Definitely right. You know, to your point about being concerned, it's like they hurt us, uh, right? Uh, we recorded it Saturday and the next day. Uh, even though they, there's no way they could have heard it, uh, they they came out and showed us we should not have been, you know, doubting them at all. But yeah, Delaware State. I, I said it during the game. Classic trap situation. Coming off an emotional win against Penn State, um, and then with the Christmas holiday coming up. Three days later, conference play right after that. I mean, and, and this is an inferior opponent. I mean, definitely a classic trap spot, but um, close to the first quarter. Um, and then then we kind of took charge and, and really locked down defensively coming out of halftime. Um, but really just a pretty lackadaisical game. Kashana only played 32 minutes, which is probably uh, nice. She still put up 21, but... Um, yeah, I mean, nothing super important to note about the game. Just, you know, game that they're supposed to win, they won. And it was relatively easy. It was a early start. I was able to make it, luckily. But a noon start and a Wednesday, I think they had uh, kids from various schools surrounding the area in for the game. Uh, so that always kind of provides a different twist on it. Uh, there's the high-pitched voices is is definitely a, a different 
thing that you'll see in the deck. But um, yeah, just a just a good win. Not to wrap up out of conference. I mean, just looking at like the box score from some of these games, you're really just starting to see some of the other players contribute. If it's the same person every game, but you're getting like, like Tori Hyduke had seven, Sweeney had six. You know, you're getting 13 from Grace O'Neill, nine from Chloe Hodges. I mean, you're just getting contributions from a lot of different people, which is what you need to complement Kishan at her guaranteed almost 20 a game. Um, yeah, the Grace O'Neill development is one thing I wanted to highlight on this pod because. We talked about this earlier on about she's playing enough minutes. The coaching staff must like what they're seeing, even if the numbers aren't there yet. And now you're starting to see it develop into the box score a little bit. The numbers are starting to be there. The faith is rewarded. Um, so in the Penn State game, you know, nine points. Only, it took 10 shots. It wasn't particularly efficient, but she took 10 shots against you know, a Big Ten opponent. She was a key part of that game plan. Uh, comes out and takes 12 shots against Delaware State and has 13 points, and now you're starting to see things rolling. Yeah, now she's becoming a, an important... Once you start seeing double-digit shots a game, right, you, you, you become an important part of that offense. And uh, to see that develop, and I think she had... It was seven against the dub and 10 again today. So she's, you know, early in the season, you know, she, had, she actually didn't take a shot against Lehigh, but six against Ryder, two against LaSalle, you know, kind of catches, catch can. Now it seems like, no, she's going to be a part of this. Uh, whether that's because of Kylie's absence or just her getting more comfortable with the system, you know, we'll, we'll see. But um, definitely a name that I keep wanting to uh, put out there because ultimately her and Kylie are probably the next wave. Um, but it's it's cool to watch that development. And again, faith in this coaching staff, to your point, Anthony, is rewarded. Um, questioning it will be disciplined. <laughs> so that's good. And that takes us, you know, if, we, if, if Delaware State was ho-hum, we started off the conference season on the road, which I guess complicates things a little bit. You never, you know, it's always tough to start off on the road, but taking on a Wilmington team, that is bad. Um, you know, I, I don't think any of us caught it. I don't know that any of us needed to catch it for being perfectly honest with ourselves and our time. Um, but it was a 71-47 drubbing down at the dub. Um, hopefully they enjoyed it. Wilmington's a great place to go and spend some time, so I'm sure they got down there a day early and Looked like they had met up with some alumni and done some things down there and, um, you know, made a business trip out of it, which is good. And that was kind of the appetizer, right, to today's game, which was uh, the home league opener against Towson. And Towson's a, a competitive team in the league. I think they're still probably a top-half team, despite a lot of losses in the offseason. Um, they're obviously one that we've battled recently for the title with, um, so there's some history there as well. So, uh, Bill, you want to talk to us a little bit about that one? Yeah, I mean, I I caught uh, the back half of the game. I mean, again, a theme in this game as well is you know other people contributing uh, besides just Kishana. I mean, she I mean, it looked like to me she only had um, under ten points at the half. I think it was closer to five. Um, it really didn't score until uh, she ended up with nineteen, but I don't think a lot of those points came till towards the end. Um, so just impressive that you got to 19. But it was a, a hard-fought battle the entire time. Yeah, a lot of shadows are from the line late. So, I mean, that, that helps. Any, any of those players, though, who are high-average players are always going to be the, guy, the the ones with those ball in their hands late in the game in those close and late situations. So it's nice to to lock it down. Uh, Grace O'Neill hit a couple free throws at the end there, too. So again, keeping on with that thread. Um, and 7 of 10 from the field, 3 of 3 from 3 for Grace O'Neill. 
got to be a career high with 19. Uh, she had a great shooting game. Uh, had a Satman 50% from the floor and from three, 15 points. Uh, and then, of course, special special notice to um, Maura Hendrickson, I believe, setting a program record for, with 14 assists. And Grace, I, I guess, is technically the, the point guard. Uh, but Mara is really like a second point guard on the floor there, floor general. And she very rarely comes out of the game and is more often than not the leader and assists at the end. Yeah. I mean, she's uh, everybody who's been, you know, they're finding their roles, right? I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. And then, uh, Antonio, you want to talk about the, the bench is expanding a little bit at the same time. Obviously, the, the other significant piece today, the return of Kylie Lavelle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she came back, uh, didn't start. Seems like, you know, minutes restriction, uh, 10 minutes, just trying to ease her back in. Um, not the most efficient day shooting, I think, especially early on. Uh, made a couple shots late, eight points, three rebounds. Um, you know, just easing her back in. But um, this is a, a tough game to do that because you definitely want to get a win here. And this, as you said, Dan, is one of the, the better teams probably in the conference. Uh, it's still early yet before we really know, but just on, on past history. And they're usually a rough and tumble team too, just by nature. So definitely good to get her back. I'm sure minutes are going to go up as we, as we move forward here. To your point, Bill, Kishana was struggling early. Uh, I couldn't watch, but from what I was told, uh, they were doing some type of aggressive, you know, bracket type coverage on her uh, to try to make other people beat them. Grace and, and Hedda stepped up to, to do just that. Uh, so definitely marquee win early in the conference season. Yeah, I, I like the idea that this is one of those times where coaches and players and medical staffs and everybody's on the same page, or are they? You know, because, yeah, Kylie didn't play, what, two or three days ago down at Wilmington. It was her first game back. They keep her limited to 10 minutes. She took nine shots. She didn't want to be eased back. She took nine shots in 10 minutes. I'm back. Give me the ball. Um, so it's, just, it's funny to watch those dynamics. And then, um, you know, I guess the other thing, yeah, just seeing, again, a, a lot of minutes out of, out of Chloe Hodges, uh, Tori Hyduke, you know, getting get on the floor a decent amount and seeing things get divvied up a little bit. I don't think they ever trailed in this game. Um, but they, yeah, I was saying correctly, they did uh, early on, but uh, really felt like they were leading start to finish and, um, but they never they never put the game away either. You know, it was it was one of those where it was competitive the whole way. So this is a I think a pretty good feel on how, you know, with the exception obviously of Kylie coming back and, and taking a few more minutes off of people, uh, how how um, Amy wants to play going forward. So I, I think you can read a lot into this game. This was a this was a big one there, um, not as big as their next one, not as big as their next one, uh, because the next one is on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, there's my best lead on lead I can give you Friday six o'clock at home at the deck biggest game of the year at the deck I know it's also their alumni game our alumni weekend kicks off that night um but Delaware um at home it's a rivalry it's also clearly the best two game two teams in the league I will give you numbers to support that because I have it up I have it here um Drexel's currently 101 in the net um Delaware's 121. The next highest is Stony Brook at 190. 
there is a clear consensus top two, at least according to the net rankings in this league. It is Drexel. It is Delaware. Um, you know, this is this is kind of this is why you're here. This is this is what makes it fun. And um, if Penn State was a big game, I would say this is probably bigger. Um, so Friday night, six o'clock, great time to be at the deck. If not, catch it on the TV on NBC Sports Philly. It'll get broadcast throughout the region. Any thoughts going into that one, guys? It's a huge one. Um, it, it's huge. Uh, Drexel Delaware games always seem to be pretty pretty close. Uh, revenge element from last year's CA championship game. Uh, so that's that's big as well. Uh, I think we do have a game on Delaware because they and I did not know this until I just pulled it up now. Actually, were upset to at home by Mon by 20. Um, that was not something I was expecting to see. Um, so uh, obviously the net rankings, uh, think they're great. Um, you know, Monmouth came in six and six and laid the hammer on by 20 in their building at the Bob. So, uh, we'll see, but, uh, definitely Drexel Delaware is always a gamey circle on the calendar. Um, both men and women, uh, but especially on the women's side, since programs have been at the top of the conference together, it seems several different times throughout the, the last 10 years. And again, now these last couple of years. So yeah, definitely uh, important. That's a fun stat for you, Anthony though. Four 2-0 teams after the first weekend of play here in the CAA. Drexel and the three new arrivals in the CAA. NCA&T, Monmouth, and Stony Brook. And just in case you didn't think this weekend was big enough, if we haven't hyped up the Delaware game Sunday, that next team, the 190 in the, in the net, Stony Brook is the team that comes in on Sunday. So you have basically the top two for the rankings are both in town this weekend. Um, you know, you can't have a hangover after the Delaware game. You know, this idea, it's just a lot. There's a lot on the line here this weekend. Uh, it's going to be tough to come out of that 4-0. But if you do, um, it's been three home games, one road game, and the road game's at UNCW, so it's a bit of a softer schedule than it looks like. But still, you come out of this 4-0, and you're really putting yourself in the driver's seat. You're feeling good about things the rest of the way. And not only that, they, the only, they played one less game, but the only other team without a loss in the conference is who they actually played. The following Friday, after that Stony Brook game on the road, the fourth and final new team, Hampton. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, a it's it's a messy early season schedule. It really is. It's going to be. Uh, uh, they had this weekend kind of, which was a nice, I thought for both programs, a nice comfy weekend to get out of the gate, with the home game against Towson probably being, you know, definitely being the most challenging of the lot. Um, for perspective, USC Wilmington, uh, two eighty two in the net. I'm shocked at that high. Curious though, yeah, they're two and two and eight um, with their wins against yeah two teams that are below three forty in the net RPI wherever you look. So you know they have UNCW's hasn't beaten anybody. They're, they're not great. Um, you could go down there and beat them, but Towson's legit. So it was nice to get one win under our belt. And that transitions us nicely into the walk in the park that the men came, men's team came back to. We'll talk about long layoffs a little bit. They had one. Um, they missed the four, Fordham, sorry, Fairfield game um, due to a COVID absence. Uh, I don't know. 
who was down. It just sounds like a decent chunk of the team was down. Um, so they missed that game. They came back um, with kind of um, might be the softest conference schedule in Division One. For being perfectly honest, I mean, it's, it's two home games against two of the worst teams you're going to find. Uh, I, I thought Elon in particular. I, I kind of want to package these guys' games if you guys don't mind talking about them together. I thought Elon came in um, with simply non-Division One talent um, and tried their best to cover it up. And I thought William Mary had better talent than Elon and had a game plan that uh, I, I've been sitting on it for 24 hours and I'm still pulling out my hair trying to figure out what the hell Dane Fisher was thinking. Um, so two different ways to look at that, you know, but ultimately two bad opponents business need to be taken care of. And I don't think we did a great job putting either team away. Like as a Drexel fan, I'm not thrilled with how this kind of weekend went. They, the long layoff probably led to a little bit of problems against Elon. Uh, but the zone offense still doesn't look great, especially from a team that's supposed to be known for being able to shoot it from the outside. Um, and then, you know, I, I just kind of, it was with me. You guys are both with me. I was tearing my hair out all day uh, Saturday trying to figure out, you know, why we weren't winning by more than we were. I mean, 0% from three is the answer. But, yeah, uh, we'll talk. So, I mean, we'll start here with the Elon game. Um, I guess, Bill, kind of what did you, what did you see there? Yeah, I mean, they're not very good, but they were hitting some shots early. So I think that kind of you know, kept the game pretty close uh, early on. Uh, but they don't. They don't have the talent they need to compete, and they're two and eleven. They're two and twelve now. Um, it's that's it should have been a bigger beating than it was, um, you know. But did, you got some contributions from guys, even when Amari wasn't scoring as high level as he usually does. You know, House is continuing to contribute and taking over for that starting role for Hope Gross, who's still struggling. Um, yeah, I mean, we got the win. Can't complain about it too much, but uh, you would have liked to see a more decisive victory there. I mean, the, the theme for both games, though, I think, was, you know, Amari really defensively just imposing his will on both of these teams. I don't know if it'll translate to. Uh, some better teams in the conference like this as much, but I think, yeah, if you had four blocks against Elon and six against William and Mary, and then after a certain point, both teams were just uh, not very good about going inside. They were avoiding uh, going at the rim and shooting a lot of outside jumpers, which uh, resulted in us outscoring them for those stretches. So, I mean, he had a huge impact uh, defensively, even when maybe his offense wasn't as on as it could have been in the Elon game specifically. Yeah, we, we talked about the William Mary game kind of the uh-oh moment, uh, but I thought it happened in the Elon game too where, where Holleran, who's probably one of their best players, the point guard for Elon, um, went inside late in the game. I think it was like, no, I mean, it was like last minute of the game. Everybody wants to catch it. Um, and he kind of ran into Amari, stopped, and it was just kind of, oh shit, what do I do now? That was a senior point guard. You know, like he, there was no backup plan. There was nothing. He just kind of just stood there. It was like, well, if I go up, this is not going to go well. And I had to look around and look around and find somebody, anybody, please come help. And, you know, nobody was really, it was late. Nobody was really going after the ball on him. It was just, he was just standing there. Just, I don't know what to do. Um, I thought William Mary game, yeah, there was similar instance. Um, it's nice. It's a nice luxury having him down there, isn't it? I mean, the defense looks so much better with him. 
it's like it really just covers up deficiencies of some of the other defenders when you have a guy back there who's just frightening people out of the paint um, we haven't had that in a while i mean a stretch did a little bit for us in between they you know like chaz and and battle but uh amar is a better shot blocker than than, than stretch even so i mean he really imposes his will in there it's great to have him back there so i think that's interesting um two things that drove me crazy late in the first half of both games uh in the Elon game, we called a timeout with five seconds left to organize the defense. Just to use it or lose it, timeout. I get it, but it just—I sat there and I was just talking to the guy next to me. Why? What? What possible good thing can come out of this timeout? It's a defensive timeout with five seconds left with them in like just and and it was a. I think we fouled. We, we we made them. You know, ran the clock for two seconds. Fouled. Made them run a play with three seconds instead of five. Uh, made, I I pass pass for me on that one but the other the, in the other game it was a defensive substitution that happened late um amari had picked up his second foul uh late in the second it was a it was a reaching call it was kind of borderline amari would tell you i think um so with a couple seconds left in the half amari got pulled um and garfield turner jumped up to come in behind him because that's what you would anticipate happening and spiker said no no and they sent in terrence butler and I thought that that was interesting, um, just as a clearly defensive leader saying, you know, we, we believe in him. Maybe it's just the, the longer body. Um, but uh, they, I think they're willing to go offense, defense there a little bit. He showed his hand a little bit there, which was interesting to me. Piggyback, I, I, I didn't catch the Elon game, but, I'm, you know, Bill's probably 2-12, and 12, and I think both of those wins are against non-Division one teams, so. You said D1 team without D1 talent, and it's showing because every time they play a D1 school, they lose. Uh, so um, it did seem like the scoring was balanced from what I saw. Um, Coltrane led with 12. Uh, Odin and House each had 11, and Amari had 10. Uh, and the shots were kind of evenly distributed too. 10 shots each for Coltrane and Amari. Eight for Lamar and, and seven for House. So um, there's balance there. I'm not sure if that's good or bad. I guess you can make the argument either way. Uh, not really an alpha, but at the same time, the contributions are where you need them. Um, William Mary, I did catch, and I was flummoxed by the, the three-point woes were kind of glaring. One made three. One for thirteen, but I something just seemed off throughout most of the game. Uh, William Mary, I thought had better players than Elon did. I, I still thought we were far more athletic than they were, but it seemed as though they were doing everything they could to chase us off the three point line, and we had whatever we wanted inside. But I think it exposed, and I'm interested to hear what you guys think about this. Something that I, I think that our team may have. A little bit of lack lacking is that we don't really have guys that can go penetrate, put the ball on the floor, and get a basket around the rim. Uh, Justin Moore, to some extent, can do that. I feel like he's kind of struggled a bit recently. Um, I know Jamie Bergens did not have a great game uh, on on Saturday, uh, but we have a bunch of guys that are spot up shooters that either are 
hesitant to or unable to put the ball on the floor and just take it to the basket. And this game against William and Mary, we won by 10, but I feel like we should have won it by 20. Just, I thought we were that much better than that. They hit threes to their credit. We didn't, and that was probably the difference, but I don't know. Just, you know, Somebody like Yame Butler, I think, is, is one of our better players at putting the ball on the ground, and he played seven minutes. Uh, and there were times, and I think I even leaned over to you and, and, and asked, why is he not playing when everybody else seems unwilling to drive and can't make a jump shot? Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're 100% right on, on, on the Dane Fisher game plan, right? Run us off the three-point line. Don't let us take threes. I mean, the 0% three-point thing that was there for most of the game uh, was, I think Coltrane had only taken like one in the first half, maybe. Like the guys, most of the shots were from point guards. It was from Bergen's um, and, um, you know, just trying to, to get the ball off before the shot clock expired. Um, they weren't good looks. Like it was a fair 0%. I mean, we, we probably should have sank one or two of the, I think, eight or so we took in the first half, but um, they, did a, they did an impressive job of keeping us off the three point line. The problem is, Coach, like you were giving us layups. Um, they weren't they weren't doubling early on either. I think because they were pushing pushing the line out so hard, they left like and uh, Amari w- was taking advantage. I mean, he was seeing it and one on one, he was taking it to the basket. He still wasn't receiving the ball down low. I know somebody's going to talk about that, right? Because we got to keep talking about that. But you know, he should have he should have been. He should have spread the floor. He should have been able to operate. Nobody on that team can guard him. Give him the ball down low, one-on-one, and let him go do work. Um, so a couple of things we'll talk about with Amari separately as far as his usage. But uh, when Amari was out, we struggled, certainly. Um, so maybe in that sense, Dane Fisher's playing works. I don't know how you could come into a locker room at halftime and say, we're shooting 50% from three. We're shooting the lights out. They're shooting 0% from three. The game is tied. Let's see if that happens again in the second half. Like, who thinks that, that like, Literally, that first half could not have gone, possibly got better for Dane Fisher's game plan. His offense is shooting the lights out. Drexel's not shot, hit a shot from three, and the game is still tied. Like, dude, you've got to understand that's your plan is never going to be successful. Never going to be successful. And he insisted on man to man. He refused to go zone. He didn't have the talent. He, I think he was out talented all five spots, all five spots on the floor, to be honest. And you insist on staying man to man. You insist on space, giving us the space that we want to work in. And the only way we're going to lose that game is if we beat ourselves. And like a lot, <laughs> like like not screwing up a couple of times, but a lot. Like it, it is a horrendous game plan. Um, I, I and the fact that they would come back out again in the second half, and and the only adjustment I mean, a little bit before halftime, they started doubling Amari. They started bringing some help over there, but that was it. Like that was it was, it was so unimpressive for me. Um, so I think they do probably have a little bit more talent than that on that team. But um, for all, you know, I, I questioned our talent, I think, early in the year. And Billy, you said you, you thought we had it. No, that's not us. Yeah, we are, we are more talented than, than teams teams like that, certainly. Like, we are decently Division One level talented. If anything, it probably makes me take a longer look at the coaching staff, what they're doing on the court, because the recruiting feels more reasonable to me, seeing these guys in and out, you know, game in, game out a little bit more. But... um yeah, I, I thought Dave Fisher did his team a, a massive disservice there. And the fact that he stuck with it was just crazy to me. Just absolutely nuts to me. Um, so, yeah, then the step part two is, yeah, 
why didn't we take as much advantage as we did, as we could have? And I agree with you. Yeah, my Butler, um, Kobe McGee got some got some minutes, but um, you know, mix things up a little bit more. Um, Bill, what, what were you thinking there? No, I mean I agree with you guys. I mean I don't, I don't think we have a lot of guys who can just go get to the hoop or even get their own shot all the time. I think that's why you're seeing, you know, Justin Moore is lofting up 16 shots in this game. I mean, it's not ideal. Um, uh, especially some of those threes, like the ones where he's shooting late in the shot clock, really can't do much about. But, um, you know, the couple that he took that weren't um, at the end of the shot clock, I think he not shoot those and just be a little bit more, take to the hoop. Settle for that mid-range. That's where he's really settled in right now. He should only be taking wide open threes at the end of the shot clock. But, I mean, he's one of the guys who can go get a shot. He can get to the hoop. He can get his mid-range. We just don't have too many other players. Like Luke House driving a little bit, but mainly he's going to be shooting threes. You know, Odin, glimpses of it, but, you know, not enough. Coltrane could do it a little bit, but he didn't do it that much in this game either. So you're, you're stuck with, you know, Justin Moore. He was a freshman who I think is showing some flashes of what he can do while still making, you know, a number of freshman mistakes as he goes along. Um, I don't know why Butler's not playing either. I, I don't see why he wouldn't be getting Okros at this point. I mean, Okros didn't play too much in this game. Only 14 minutes. But, yeah, I mean, I Butler's like instant offense. He comes in. He's attacking the hoop. He can shoot from three. He doesn't seem that bad defensively to me. I mean, I, not any worse than, you know, some of the other guys on the team. So I, I really don't see why he wouldn't be playing more. Um, anytime he steps on the court, it seems like he's doing good things. He's hustling. So hopefully we'll see more of him as the season goes on. I mean, I, I'm in agreement, though. We, we need someone who can attack the hoop and get easier buckets. We can't just settle for, you know, our wings just shooting bad three-pointers or force and taste so and maybe it was it was part of william mary's game plan you know to defend the three at all costs and and maybe with a particular eye on coltrane but i don't remember exactly but he's the box score makes it look like he was pretty passive in the game only took five shots um i don't know exactly what the point per game averages are i'm sure amari is leading us in points but i have to imagine coltrane's probably second or third at worst in terms of points per game for him to only take five shots is a bit of a surprise. Um, but Mata, yeah, like you said, Bill, he, he didn't play very much, 14 minutes. He didn't take one shot. He went one for two from the line. Did not take one shot. Something broken with him, in my opinion. I don't know what it is. I don't know if you guys both caught it. I'm sure you did, Dan, because I'm pretty sure I told you about it. I don't know what, I don't remember the exactly what the play I don't know if there was a steal, but one point, Mate had the ball with no one between him and the basket, and it was two steps away. And he took one dribble and passed. It was very reminiscent of Ben Simmons against the Atlanta Hawks in, in the Eastern Conference semifinals there two seasons ago. He's afraid to put the ball towards the basket. Something is amiss with him. I hope they can get it figured out uh, for his sake because you know, I want him to do well. But certainly, if he's having these continued struggles, uh, Butler should be playing the 14 minutes to his, uh, you know, to his seven for sure. Uh, and I'd even 
prefer Kobe McGee in there over him at this point, just because they're at least willing to try. He just seems to be mentally something's wrong. I mean, it, I think it stinks too because we know he can play. Like we've seen in prior years, um, he's a good shooter. He's a very good shooter. I don't know what's wrong with season, whether it's injury related or if he's could just be a cop in this league completely. I mean, who knows? But um, until he gets that back, I mean, you can't have these empty box scores for 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is. Uh, so I'm just not sure why the coaching staff isn't saying, you know, hey, we got Yame over here. He comes in, he's played five minutes, and he's got four points and an assist and a rebound. <laughs> um, you know, that seems like a an easy call to make, at least at this point. Yeah, so a couple of things here. Um, you know, we, we do see um, Justin Wath actually thought a couple of his three attempts were good looks. I actually think the shot doesn't look bad, uh, but he is, he's two for 29 this year, I think is what he is for three at this point, 7%. Uh, obviously, you know, not what we anticipate, but again, it doesn't look bad when he takes it, you know, when, when it's a clean look. Uh, obviously, the mid-range game looks not looks not bad. Like it, it should extrapolate out. Uh, I'll, I'll chalk it up to things things usually even out over the course of a season. Uh, I I still want him to keep shooting a little bit. Um, you know, when he gets the looks looks out there. Um, the other thing, a uh, uh, couple of things, I guess, on what you were talking about, Anthony and, and rotation. You know, Luke House plays, I think, the most minutes of anybody in this game, thirty-five minutes. And I like Luke House, and I'm a Luke House fan. I think he's worked out great, and especially when teams go zone against us, you know, he's he's a he's an important piece to have in there. On a game like this one, where they're taking away the three point line and challenging you to go in and make something happen, um, you know, he tried going off the dribble a couple times. It didn't look great. Um, you know, whatever the matchup, the guy in front of him was able to stay with him for the most part. So, at what point? That's where Yami Butler should come in, right? Like that's a hundred percent where you've got to realize that. And say, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe on the defensive end, but Luke's not a great defender. He's he was he was having he was having problems with Dorsey too, Dan. Yeah, in the beginning yeah, of that game. On. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't yeah. see why like he's struggling defensively. They're keeping off the line. That's a great point. Like, I don't know why you couldn't give Yame some of those mess too. And like we said before, Yame's not terrible from three. Like the guys come in and shot the ball pretty well. I, mean, I don't know the percentages of Sherry, but he's. 57% from three. I mean, that's a small sample size, but I mean, it at least shows that he can shoot the ball a little bit. So you have to respect him out there as well. So Mari only has one assist in this game. I think I think he got cost a couple ones by, by missed baskets and, and fumbles. Um, same as what we'll t- actually the Elon game, he should have had damn near a triple-double. Uh, he had six assists, I think, in that one. Um, and then Coltrane had a couple fumbles uh, on uh, passes that he was due to receive in the lane, and then there were a couple of threes that didn't go in. That Amari would have assisted on. I mean, he had a, he had a legit shot at a triple double, um, in that one. Um, but I, I don't mind uh, in this game keeping him on that high post because he was going to the basket when they weren't helping, and and he was he was making things happen. and He looked just better offensively. Um, I, I am I know traditionally you know against the zone you're going to keep him up high, but against a man I think you can, you know if they're playing man to man I'd like to see him more in the low post. Um. Give him the ball, because uh, I think the spacing thing is not. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a basketball coach. I'm not going to pretend to be one. But uh, I think we've got to. The offense needs to change a little bit more when we see a man versus when we see his own. 
the cutting was there a little bit better um, in, in this man-to-man when we had good matchups. I thought we had some good passes in both games, um, made some things happen, but still too many mistakes, still so many guys not ready for the ball. You know, they're making cuts and they're not ready for the ball if I'm running away. Um, and I do think uh, one of the big things we're seeing, um, and you made the point, Bill, is that Justin Moore, when he does drive, you know, it's it's he's getting blocked, he's fumbling the ball. It's just it's not ending particularly well right now. I wanted to see him be a bit more aggressive as a passer. I think when he drives, um, you know, keep working on that part of his game. I think I think he just he has the feeling somebody who has all the tools. And you saw the speed, you saw the missed dunk he had late against Elon. Great. I mean, he he put on his first step is impressive. He can get by guys. Like he's actually a lot faster than I gave him credit for. He showed it a couple of times in his homestand. So I still want—I still think he's got all the tools. I still think he, he can develop and be really good. Um, but you are hitting efficiency numbers where between him and versions, like the point guard spot is our problem. And when you see teams that are Northeastern saying the same thing, when you see some of the teams in this conference, Towson, without um, we'll talk about him later, but uh, um, without their point guard, you know, struggling right now. Um, it's the most important position on the floor it is and when you don't have one it's a problem and our offense looks like an offense without a point guard right now we're being honest I think that's what I see when we talk about and I think that's a little bit of what Dane Fisher was trying to exploit we don't think you guys can beat us you know off, you know, and make things happen so we think you, you guys set, set, will settle for shots all day even if we press you and we're a little bit better than that especially with Amari Williams in there but I get where he was going I was going to make a point about um Amari steals, particularly backcourt breakaway steals that lead to points in transition. Um, I don't think it's something we do a ton, but whenever we do it, it seems to be Amari with the deflection, the steal, and then the drive on the other end. So I just pulled up the stats to see. Um, not surprisingly, Amari leads us in both points with 14.4 per game, rebounds with 8.8, blocks with 2.4. No surprises there. He's tied with Justin Moore in the for the assist lead at two point four game, and also leads in steals at one point nine. So our team goes as he goes. He leads in all five statistical categories, uh, and it's not particularly close um, in, in really anything. Like I said, tied with Justin Moore in assists, and when your center and your point guard are dishing out the same number of assists, even when you know the offense really blows through the center. It's not necessarily the best sign, um, but he is pretty much lapping everybody in rebounds, steals, and blocks. And blocks is not a surprise, and, and rebounds not too either, but two steals a game. Uh, impressive for him. Usually think that you're going to see a perimeter player uh, come up a little better uh, in that in that area. All right. You gave me enough time to, to scramble and find it, but Bob Ventrone Jr., hoop stats on Twitter. Um, had this yesterday. Uh, Amari Williams leads directs on total points, rebounds, assists, block shots, and steals, as you noted. No player in the City Six has ever done that for a full season, dating back to 85-86 when steals and blocks became official. Never happened in the Big Five. Um, I don't know if it's a good sign or a bad sign, to be honest with you. He's a really good player, but, you know, obviously, if you'd like to see somebody else on the team, certainly uh, you, you don't assist somebody, you know, something like that. Um, there's some other guys who can challenge him for those for those titles, but yeah, I mean, Amari's special. And Bill, the one thing that you and I both noticed on Saturday, even more so, I think, than Thursday, 
they seem to be managing minutes with him, didn't they? Yeah, hundred percent. I sometimes I'm wondering why he is out of the game as much as he is, but he also looks tired at times out there. Um, I'm not sure if that's the case, if that's just how he looks, but um, yeah, I'd like to see me. I know he's out there already, twenty eight minutes a game, but when he's dominating that much, he's that important to the team. I'd like to see at least a few more minutes out of him. But maybe, maybe your point then, maybe they're just keep, trying to keep him fresh later in the year, too. Who knows? Just to get back to Justin Moore for a second. Um, I thought in the beginning of the game, he kind of showed like the good elements of his game. He came in, he hit like a short mid-range. He made a couple nice dishes off that I think one was a layup, or and another one was I think Amari missed the layup, but it was a really nice pass to him, um, and he was playing a little more under control. It kind of penetrated and looking to pass, and I think Danny brought that point up, bro. Like he should be looking to pass first, uh, create. I think that's probably where he's at his best. I thought his coming into Drexel, I thought that was his best asset was his passing and his, uh, I mean, larger potential, his athletic ability, as we saw in that attempted dunk um but his his jump shot's just not quite there yet the mid-range looks decent three-pointer you know take it when you're open take good looks but other than that he shouldn't be fired too many threes but you saw like the good justin moore early on and then later on he's forcing too much just passes he was attempting you know he's just forcing it forcing attacking the hoop forcing passes um and I think he'll hopefully he'll learn as he goes along and just get better at that and limit the mistakes. But I think the potential is there. We're just going to have to deal with some level of frustration as he makes freshman mistakes. Um, and hopefully when he's making those, you pull him in for Bergenson for a little bit. He can give you some good minutes. It's just Bergens is struggling too in that game. So Justin Moore was the better option of the two in that game. Yeah. Oh, look, I mean, I, I think we're talking about one of the least effective, least efficient players of all time right now uh, is, is, is where he is statistically. Um, small sample early season, but, um, and they're aggressive mistakes to your point, Bill. Like he's trying to do too much, probably more than anything. You know, he's driving into trees. He's, he had a couple alley oops that he went for, not for the ball up for that didn't go well uh, in, these, in these games. Like he, he's clearly, he's got a vision. If anything, he needs everybody. It's weird. He doesn't like. It's not like the speed of the game is a problem. It's like he's almost too slow for him. I like. I, I don't know. I, it's. It's. There's a. Dynamic. He's just gotta. He's just gotta find himself. I think because the talent is there. Kind of to combine a couple points we've been talking about earlier. For him, is it? Do you guys think it's? He's. Not seeing some of the passing late because I was. I was making the point earlier about you don't have enough guys who, to the basket on their own. He's one of the guys that we do have. Um, Bill, you, you're saying that he should be looking primarily to pass. We have a bunch of shooters who don't necessarily put the ball on the floor. So it seems to me, as you know, a casual observer, that like Justin Moore penetrating and kicking it out for open threes or, or would be something that would be kind of what we're looking for. Is that just... Is that the coaching staff telling him not to do it is is he just not really seeing those passes yet um be overly aggressive as you were saying to try to just you know put the ball in the basket himself i, I i'm not really i don't know 
the drive and kick is something that I feel like is, for the most part, lacking from our. I, mean, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, especially in the last game, I mean, he's put up 16 shots, right? I mean, I think he's looking too much to score. And I think at times, maybe that's what he has to do because he gets the ball, you know, there's seven seconds left in the shot clock and he has to, you know, look to make something happen. Um, but ideally, uh, you saw a couple of plays where he created. He drove in, nice dish off to Amori. There's a layup, there's a dunk. You know, it's, uh, I think he had one to Garfield Turner. Like, he can he can do that. Um, you haven't seen as much kicks at the perimeter. Maybe he's getting too deep into the lane. Like, there was one where he drove all the way pretty much under the basket and then looked to kick out. And he just didn't have an angle. And a guy picked it off and took it the other way. So, you know, maybe it's just him learning where to position himself a little bit better to hit the angles on the outside shots. But honestly, I didn't look to see if there was guys open on the outside, either from him from him penetrates. But maybe I'll keep an eye on that. Uh, the next few games and, and see if that's there. But, uh, I mean, he's got the tools to distribute. It's just, you know, he's making mistakes. He's I, I don't think coming in, he's ready as Cam Winter. Like, offensively, Cam Winter was ready to go immediately. Um, he just had that mid-range jumper. His three was okay. You know, he can go to that every time. Justin Moore doesn't really have that. And he can he can get to the hoop better than Cam can. I think he's got a better first step. He's quicker. Um, his finishing is not quite 100% there yet. He might need to get a little bit stronger. Um, going up against, you know, these bigger players. But again, like, that'll come with it with age. But I, yeah, I, I think he's, like I said, he's got all the tools. He just needs to, I don't know, let the game come to him a little bit more. Stop pressing so much. Don't, you know, drive too deep in the lane where you, where you get out of control. He left his feet a good few times where he shouldn't have done that. Like, stick your feet, don't jump, and then figure out where you're going to pass it. I think there's even one play in the press where he, he jumped up. And he was looking at one guy. That guy wasn't there. Looked at another guy. He wasn't open. And then he just kind of like lofted it over to another guy who was open. It was kind of amazing to see that he could even do that while he was in the air. But ideally, he wouldn't be jumping. Uh, so he'd have to make that, you know, difficult of a pass. So yeah, I just like to see him let the game come to a little bit. And I think it'll come with age. He's just, you know, pressing and on a team that doesn't have a lot of other guys who can drive. Yeah, and I, I don't want to make it seem like we're being overly critical of him as well. I mean, I think he definitely takes some time. We need to be patient as well. I, I do think we're pretty spoiled with point guard play at Drexel, especially right out of the gate. And back at least as far as Jamie Harris for me, but, you know, Franz, Cam Winter, even Kirkley. I mean, we've had some pretty good point guard play for a long time. Uh, we see the talent. We all do. I mean, it, it just may take a little bit longer than we used to recently to, uh, to unlock it. So things to work on for him, for sure. But I, I'm, I'm still plenty bullish on. Yeah. And I think, listen, Amari's obviously a superior talent. I actually liked uh, one thing we didn't mention yet, Lamar Odin. Uh, they, they tried to run Dane Fisher <laughs> double down and tried to run with no center for a couple minutes late in the game. Um, and they actually, Drexel responded by isoing up uh, Lamar Odin on an undersized four and going him, him down on the block a couple of times. I thought that was really interesting to see, uh, both because we don't go to Amari Williams on the block, but we went to a Lamar Odin on the block. But um, also, you know, just uh, he was successful both times. Uh, he took a couple of tough shots that uh, would have preferred him not to take in this game, but... Um, Really, a, a good line. I think he had a, like eleven and nine um, from him, 
and uh, continues to be kind of a guy that un- unsung hero for this team. And I think with him and Amari, and you've got enough mix and match piece, mix and match pieces of the two and three, where you know if it's if it's Yame coming out and figuring out what his coaches want want to hear and, and making sure he delivers it for them so he can get on the floor, or if it's uh, one of those two point guards turning the corner. You know, I think this team is probably that away from being a, a legit contender. Uh, we're close. I don't think they're that far off, really. Um, I've heard people say rebuilding year. Listen, they're they're about one ninety, and then both of Net Ken Palm, RPI, I think we're basically wherever you look puts us around there. Um, despite his first four years, we were basically two fifty every year. So we've made we've jumped up. You know, we've leveled up that the twenty twenty team that went to the tournament. Um, you know, was I think around one forty, one fifty. Um, if this is a bad year and we're sitting 190, you know, that's not a terrible thing in this conference today. Um, but I, I think we're actually closer to contending than we are the other way around. Uh, and, and maybe it's just two really bad teams seeing us against them that make me feel that way. So we'll see. Um, next up is Towson. It's a big one at Towson. They just lost in overtime to Charleston this weekend. Um, honestly, they got off to a slow start. They were coming off of a long layoff. They didn't play on Thursday like the rest of the league did. Every uh, 13 teams this year, so everybody's going to have an off day. Um, one one day each weekend. Somebody somebody's going to have an off day. Actually, somebody's going to have the off day one day each weekend. So this was Towson's off day. Drexel says it's actually odd because it's the last game of the year. We don't play the Saturday going into the, the CA tournament. Everybody else does, so it doesn't look like there's an off day on our schedule, just because we just go straight to the tournament. Um, but Towson's was right before this game. They had the first of the year, so uh, they had extra rest going into Charleston. It came out a little flat for what should be one of their biggest home games in the season. Um, they, they made it up. They were the better team in the second half, but only got that game to overtime and had lost an OT. And that's still without their point guard, Gibson. Uh, I don't know what his situation is. I don't think he was supposed to be out that long, so intrigued to see what happens there. But um, this will be the first big contest for the Dragons, certainly in this league, um, down there on Thursday night. Um, I actually don't know. I look at TV. I'm just going to flow. I don't know if it's... NBC Sports Washington or something like that on Towson's end. I'll take a look. Um, so that one on Thursday, and then home Mammoth. That's another game on Saturday that you you need to take care of business in. So circle this this Towson one. Let's go out there. Let's see what the A game looks like, and uh, and see um, how legit they are. So be a big road either win. It's gonna be a challenge. I mean, let's be honest. Towson's was one of the two league favorites coming into this year uh, on the road. Place we've never played well, just never ever played well. I've covered a lot of games down there, man, and every time I feel like it's me and Zach Spiker after the game, and I don't want to ask any questions. I just want to kind of like thank you for the time, but that was miserable. We're all miserable. Can we leave? So hopefully we can improve uh, on that. But that's what's coming up, uh, guys. Any last thoughts here on the on, on the Dragons as we enter the week ahead? I think I'm good. All right, we'll wrap it up there. All right, uh, Anthony, Bill, thanks for coming on, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week.